Welcome to Energy Radio, a podcast by CEM Engineering. Uh, and you can just cut out whatever audio you need to cut out. And uh, you guys are ready to roll. I'm just going to mute myself. And uh, You're welcome to stay by video. It's not. A I'm just looking. I'm looking into coaching like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, All enjoy, right. guys. I'm going to mute myself now. Okay. Great. Thanks, Kurt. See you later. Yeah. See ya. I'm not used to doing this in front of a live studio audience. All right. Okay, so I'll do what I'll I'll do a quick intro, Kurt, and then uh, we have to give give space for our sponsors, and then we'll uh, we'll jump in. Is that okay? Yeah, cool. Do you have any Do you have any questions before we start? No, I just hope that you don't have you, any questions uh, before we start. No, let's just let's just rip, I guess. All right. Cool. Um, all right. Welcome to Energy Radio. Oh, that was awkward. Was that you or me? Did you hear that? Okay, that's me. Yeah, no, it's me. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Let me close out my... Good. All right, I'm out of my inbox. Welcome to this episode of Energy Radio. Today I get a chance to talk with a good friend uh, about the new company he's joined and what they're doing in the asset management space uh, for energy. Today I'm joined by a good friend, a graduate of the illustrious Clarkson University, Kurt West. Kurt, welcome to Energy Radio. Matt, uh, great to be here. Long time listener, first time caller. Wow, it's an honor to have you with us. And, and we're gonna talk um, Utility Cloud, um, the new company that you're with for the last uh, six months or so and what you guys are doing. Um, but maybe first, uh, your origin story, if you were a comic book hero, uh, which I know your daughter thinks you are, uh, what would be your origin story in the energy space? Like, how did you, I know we've, we go back now a couple of years, but what's your uh, journey to today in terms of the energy space? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, I went to Clarkson University, probably um, the farthest northern university in the state of New York and, and uh, um, not too far away from uh our friends uh, at CEM. So we uh, went to school there as a, uh, as for a finance degree. Had the opportunity to uh, meet a team that was founding a uh, biomass technology company at the time. So um, joined as an intern my senior year in college, uh, working for a company called Zero Point Clean Tech, and we were building a uh, stratified downdraft biomass gasifier. Um, we Started with a little six-inch uh, unit in a lab that uh, got diligence both by the university uh, and some venture investors. Uh, raised some money, built a pilot plant, scaled the process to semi-commercial. Uh, went through a full-scale demonstration for a couple of years, uh, trying to convert uh, refuse-derived fuel pellets uh, into syngas uh, and subsequently um, uh, biodiesel. So the uh, the process that we were uh, deploying was the thermochemical, so gasify the waste, uh, convert it into a syngas, and then convert that into a Fischer-Tropsch diesel fuel through the Fischer-Tropsch process. Um, we spent three years, four years developing uh, the core technology, uh, really with the goal to develop a syngas that was clean enough to uh, catalytically convert into diesel. So contaminant levels for that are you know, parts per billion. Um, we got a very clean syngas uh, 
never really uh, made uh, biodiesel, um, but uh, created a stable enough gasification process to, to run reciprocating engines. So uh, we ended up commercializing a uh, biomass, woody biomass uh, CHP process. And so we built three projects in Europe on that technology. Um, and right around five years ago, I left that business, spent two years working for a private equity firm uh, developing water and wastewater infrastructure in Latin America and the Western US. Uh, and then found myself back in the CHP space uh, where I met you, working for a, a, a global EPC firm that was uh, developing, uh, constructing and operating uh, CHP plants here in the US. Uh, and then, yeah, nine months ago, had the opportunity uh, to come join Utility Cloud uh, right as a new management team was being put together. So um, kind of exciting path. Utility Clouds were focused uh, as a as a asset management O&M tool for uh, utilities. Historically, that has been water and wastewater utilities. Although my background in the energy sector, we're starting to uh, sell the technology into um, power producers a little more. So we have a few customers that are power generators and uh, we're looking to expand that customer base. So let's, uh, two things to kind of go back through that. First one, the, I guess I missed that when you explained it to me before, but the, the Syngas piece of that uh, technology play was kind of the byproduct. The, the holy grail was the, the biodiesel, is that right? And the, and the Syngas is just kind of what you discovered you know, as you were going along and it wasn't the, the hoped for outcome, but you made the most of it. Is that kind of how that goes? Yeah, it was the precursor. So if you, if you think about how that process chain works, um, thermally decompose the biomass into syngas uh, and then uh, clean it and pass it over uh, a novel catalyst to recombine the carbon and hydrogen molecules into a, into a Fischer-Tropsch diesel. Um, yeah, so that we just, we, we ended up making a really clean, stable syngas for the purposes of getting to biofuels, um, you know, right around uh, 2008 when global commodity prices crashed and, and the first wave of clean tech companies uh, took a fairly substantial hit. We were fortunate enough to, uh, fortunate enough or, or stupid enough to keep going um, and found a home for it in, in CHP. So, um, you know, really the goal for that. And, and I think most um, biotechnologies, the holy grail is is biofuels, drop-in biofuels. Uh, that's what we were trying to get to. Never really made it there. Um, the technology exists today. Uh, they're, uh, the company's actually operating a facility in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, uh, where they're um, producing heat from the syngas to put into a district energy system there, as well as uh, carbon negative electricity. So you know, I think the owners of the company will, will begin to reinvest in biofuels long-term, but um, it, was, it was an interesting uh, technology development exercise that lasted about six years of, of the beginning of my career. So cool, very good. Travel a lot of fun places and uh, play an engineer on TV. So yeah, right. Uh, although right. My, back, my background was in finance, um, just spent a lot of time project management in the field, spending time with uh, engineers, understanding you know how to deploy you know, that skill set, um, you know, in constructing a new technology. 
And drank a lot of beer at a lot of bars with a lot of engineers, right? I did in a lot of different countries. So, <laughs> so let's let's pivot now to this whole asset management space that you're in now. Walk us through kind of what asset management you know really is, and and you know maybe how the game used to be done, and and how you know you guys see that you know why why it's important, you know where where's the upside, what you know what kind of headaches are there out there, and you know for for owner operators from an asset management perspective. Yeah, I, um, I think if you asked a uh, hundred different industry professionals what the definition of asset management, you'd get uh, 105 different responses. Um, but you know, I think the way I like to define it is is really optimizing the lifetime performance of an asset. So uh, both capex and opex uh, reliability, as well as the uh, operability of an asset. So you know, how do you how do you balance that? whole very uh, complex equation um you know there's i think some new standards that that are becoming adopted i'd really be interested to hear your thoughts on um you know i think that it's iso 55000 is the new reliability standard that the iso is pushing with it's basically less about um you know ultimately you know keeping the highest uptime but actually producing the best performance of that asset and so maybe that's you know, letting a pump run to failure rather than performing a maintenance task that uh, that would have cost more to do three times before that pump failed. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, our our software specifically um, is much more focused on. So I think you and you can come to make these decisions. Let me take a step back for a second. You come to make these decisions uh, a lot of different ways. So. Um, Machine data is one place to get it. Uh, enterprise systems, so the historic name for the type of software we sell has is, is been classified as computerized maintenance systems, uh, CMMS. Um, so you can have uh, you know, your enterprise data, you can have your machine data, but, but you also have uh, a person that needs to put that to work. So we're very much focused on deploying tools that help uh, the actual operator or maintenance teams perform their job in the field. So um, there are, you know, very powerful asset management softwares, IBM Maximo or um, GE's Predix that are, you know, large, uh, really powerful pieces of software designed to optimize at the enterprise level. Um, we're very much focused on optimizing at the field maintenance worker level. So how do you actually take all that complex information that data scientists and engineers have crunched and uh, put it into a useful tool that, you know, the person that's turning the wrench or replacing the cylinder or changing the oil, it helps them do their job in a way uh, better and actually collects better information from that person uh, back from the field as well. Um, so whether that's you know, scheduling maintenance based on how a machine uh, is performing or, um, you know, uh, doing boiling down complex uh, engineering tasks into simple inspections that can help inform uh, how you plan for asset management. So to kind of make sure I understand, so so you're pulling data from from the machine directly, you're pulling it from uh, kind of different enterprise software platforms, you're pulling it together, but really you're targeting boots on the ground, you know, at the, 
you know, plant operating floor level, the maintenance level, you're not targeting, you know, kind of the C-suite or even the director level in terms of, you know, you're really targeting boots on the ground. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, we are, um, you know, the sales process, um, you know, I think we provide really useful information to the C-suite uh, of utilities. Um, but the usefulness of the tool is 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 about, yeah, that, that boots on the ground and, um, you know, whether it's an asset manager or a reliability engineer that's tasked with improving their process um, or, or it's actually the worker. I think uh, we're a, another tool in the belt for uh, operators and maintainers of field assets. So as you know, I'm, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, so I, I'm going to ask some dumb questions here. Um, so like what what's the interface for this individual? Like, Is it? I mean, you have your name is Utility Cloud. I, I imagine a lot of this is done through the cloud, and and so you know whether it's a there's but there's some kind of screen. Like, what what are they? What kind of information are they getting? Are they getting big red alarms saying, you know, this this pump is going to fail? Are they getting you know, uh, are they getting you know data that their process is out of control? Like, what what's the interface look like? You know, in terms of real world application. Sure, it's a mobile device. Um, we, it's a, we're an HTML5 web application, which um, for the non-software dorks, which up until six months ago, I was not one of them. Uh, it, uh, it means it's really, uh, from the user perspective, just a web page. Um, there's some power behind that. Uh, so we're device agnostic. So if, if you like Android better than iPhone, great. Um, we see a lot of industrial tablets in the field. Uh, as well is, is just a, a good way to interface. Um, but we also have uh, offline capabilities as well. So in um, rural environments or plant settings where there isn't connectivity, you can uh, go into the office in the morning, pick up your tablet that's preloaded with the inspections that you need to do and then head out into the field. Um, the software was originally developed for water utilities. So if you can think about uh, the large water utilities that need to inspect hydrants or meters or customer connections, you know, hundreds and if not thousands or hundreds of thousands of assets in the field that need to be located, tracked and maintained. Um, that's, that's really the origin of the software. We're, I think there's really interesting applications now as the grid becomes more distributed, where you know, we have a really interesting story in a plant setting. But you know, as as you get thousands and millions of new generating assets on the grid, uh, I think a lot of the space is focused on how do we optimize the production of that asset. So if it's a windmill or a solar panel or a, a small CHP plant, um, I think there's really great softwares out there to optimize how that asset works. Um, but I don't I don't think people are really thinking about how we maintain these physically over 20 or 30 years of the life of that asset. So that when one solar panel in you know northern Quebec needs to get replaced uh, on somebody's house, how is that getting dispatched and managed? And um, you know how are we effectively routing crews to the places that that they need to be um, at a at a higher level too? Is there's a I don't know if this is as much the case in Canada as it is in the states, but aging workforce. Um, more assets to maintain and less people to maintain them. So smart technology solutions to maximize the efficiency of your workforce in the field, we think is, is uh, 
really critical. So how does how does one kind of work with you guys in the early stages? Like, you know, this sounds like it can do everything and anything, and almost almost to the point where you know, if I'm operating an asset or I have a fleet of assets or I have you know infrastructure that I'm managing, you know, it how 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 does one start to discern how and 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 where to you know deploy this and it sounds like it's also it's feeding information but it's also receiving input from the operator but like how does one figure out how best to apply this you know asset management platform to a specific uh, scenario yeah um we uh, tend to like to start small so um i'm sure every organization has a complex field task um that is a giant pain for them okay uh we we see it a lot of times uh in the water spaces is, is really just hydrant inspections or flushing programs and, and start there um automate a process make it easier to track and improve on uh, and then you'll naturally find new places to to expand and deploy the software so uh, we think in the power utility space uh, transformer inspections is a great one um, so we can develop uh, uh, a custom transformer inspection, send people in the field to inspect them, and then based on the results of that inspection, prioritize uh, a replacement plan uh, or capital upgrade plan. We work with uh, a few small power generators, so uh, biogas, CHP developers. Uh, they just use us as their as their daily rounds maintenance tool. So when operators show up every day. They know the maintenance and operations checklist tasks that they need to do uh, each day. So that that's something I can I, I have a background in biogas, as you know. That that's something I can grasp onto. So does it? The operator comes, he picks up his iPad, and it walks. It has kind of a checklist for him or or data that he has to enter, and he does that, and that circles back to the cloud and and kind of adds that to other data points and then the feedback loop at some point is, Hey, you, you better look at this or you better, is that kind of how it yeah, fits? Yeah. So we could, yeah, exactly. So you could take, um, so if a THP plant has developed the maintenance procedure, we load that in as a sequence into the system. So it, the software actually steps the operator through what they need to do in the morning. So exactly as you described it, pick up the tablet, uh, go to pump one, make sure the oil's not leaking, uh, you know, go to uh, the auger, uh, make sure it's greased. Um, and then, you know, based on good maintenance practices and feedback from the machine, optimize, uh, optimize what, what the field worker is doing each day. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Matt, on, on the description. Um, it also for um, operating environments, you know, we think we can lower the skill set of the worker doing it by providing them really intuitive tools. So um, one of the projects we're working on uh, in Massachusetts uh, with a local water utility is they have um, these small pump stations. So when they need to lift uh, either drinking water or, or sewage uh, up in elevation, these small plant environments that aren't so dissimilar to a CHP plant, um, in, in their size and, and actual, you know, uh, maintenance tasks. 
um, we've actually gone into those facilities with uh, 3D real estate cameras, shot the facilities in 3D, and then map the assets to buttons in that 3D environment. So you can, I don't know if you've looked at a, a home listing in those 3D images, yeah. um, but it's pretty cool. So we can actually just uh, give a 3D picture to uh, an operator that has um, buttons on it, red or green, and play the game of turn the red to green, and that's, that's your daily work. Um, so we, we're, we're really focused on developing uh, intuitive, yet powerful software tools that that inform field maintenance and operation activities and so you know i think as as we look to the future more smarter integrations with the machine um is, is an obvious of so connected maintenance i think is the buzzword where you're um actually predicting what's going to happen before it does um you know I, I, we don't think you have to be the smartest uh AI algorithm to provide value in the field um, because a lot of the times it's you know people that have worked on it for 30 years know best what uh, what the next thing that needs to do and capturing that knowledge and pulling it up to the enterprises is is valuable. Um, I, I see a I see an opportunity. So often for us, we're coming in contact with you know in very broad strokes two two types of uh, clients, one that has a pretty sophisticated um, utility plant already, they're operating large steam boilers, they may have some steam turbines, and they're putting in CHP. Uh, and so to move from operating a boiler to operating a CHP, and the infrastructure they have from an operations perspective and a maintenance perspective is, is not a big change. It may be some new hardware, maybe a gas turbine instead of just a boiler, but not a very big quantum leap. But there are lots of industrial users or institutional users um, that you know are, are doing great at whatever product they're making but have no experience beyond you know if the power goes out they call a utility company and and we've yeah. seen struggles when you put in a small CHB in an application like that because it's a step function you know integration or a step function change in terms of you know operations and maintenance and so I see this maybe you are maybe you have some examples this already but I see this type of platform that's kind of you know do this do this do this and it's it's more than just checking a, an analog sheet because it's do this do this do this and and the feedback from that goes to somebody or an algorithm that that says hey they're doing it or they're not doing it but that you know that, that sequential approach to even a daily walk around uh, I think that's an interesting target market in the power gen space, those who have never operated before. Are you, are you seeing some traction there? Um, the, the parable I'll give is in manufacturing with wastewater treatment. So the same, the same thing. We'll see you know, large manufacturing facilities that have to have you know, small wastewater treatment plants, you know, not dissimilar to uh, a CHP plant on their facility. And their primary job is to produce widgets and wastewater is a byproduct uh, and not their core business. So we see the exact same thing where they don't have the skill set to maintain and operate that complex piece of process equipment uh, to the way that, you know, a, a, you know, the engineer that designed it or the equipment provider that manufactured it would like it to be operated. So um, we've deployed uh, exactly that use case. 
uh, in the water industry and, and see a huge opportunity um, with with distributed uh, power gen as well because um, you know how do you how do you scale that knowledge base um, how do you take uh, what you and your team are doing uh, in the design phase and actually deliver that as a as a living uh, breathing platform rather than a operations manual that sits on a binder on a shelf and collects dust, right? So if um, we also see, uh, and, and this is kind of a core uh, competitive advantage of our software is, is uh, we have a really dynamic database that allows us to update the asset information or asset attributes based on the work that was performed. So if you, let's say if you have a you know, engine that was blue and you paint it yellow, um, you're able to capture that information when it happened uh, and attribute it to the asset. Or so if you do a, uh, an upgrade to a, a ancillary system, capturing that information and building it back into the operator's manual, even if it is a major capital upgrade, if it's as simple as you know replacing one type of pump for another brand, just just keeping up to date on that stuff. You know, the, keeping the as-built operational plan up to date we see real value in because you know five ten years go by after you build something um i'm sure you know better than anybody it's, it's hard to keep uh keep information up to date at the at the plant level a lot of times yeah what what are your limitations in terms of what type of you know data you can take in like can the system so i'm thinking of a bunch of different probably disconnected samples of data but i'm thinking in our space you know we have like a 3d model of the plant before it's built right so that's what you know to your analogy of the uh, or your example of the real estate 3d uh scan you know we have a similar type uh 3d model and we have a scan of the plant and then there's also uh i'm thinking like real-time utility data of what the utility price is or you know to make make versus buy decisions like like how <coughs> Is it pretty narrow in terms of what data you can feed into it, or is it kind of case by case you design it for the application? Uh, we have some standard integration, so um, all the major SCADA systems, uh, you know, Allen, Wonderware, GE, okay. um, we, we integrate with those. We also talk on uh, OPC as well, so that's pretty much in terms of machine data, we can collect a lot of either SCADA data or, or IoT data uh, over that um, OPC um, interface. Um, and then we have some standing integration, so like uh, GIS systems. So we can take uh, any underlying maps that you've built in uh, your GIS platform and, and pull that data. We've got a really strong bi-directional connector with GIS databases. Um, and then, yeah, because we're a web application, it's pretty easy to connect us. So uh, we have what's called open RESTful APIs, so you can connect data. Um, if you can push it out or pull it through an API, we can usually connect it. And so those you know, custom integrations that become pretty easy to do. Um, it, it's a little bit case by case once you start looking at um, you know uh, various systems, but the you know the major enterprise ERPs are, are straightforward for us and. Um, the way we've been designed is everything is is really a configuration. So we say clicks, not code. So if you want to change something in our software, it's usually, you know, somebody with a uh, small technical background, not a computer engineering degree, that needs to change it. So 
uh, we see some real benefit in that for deploying very specific, complex industrial tasks where if you were going to take a, an SAP or an Oracle, uh, you'd have to pay developers hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to, to customize it. Um, we just configure it. So we work uh, in the States with um, a whole bunch of uh, civil environmental engineering firms in the water industry. Yes. And they're engaged with their customers in a similar way you are with yours to, to, to be the technical expert. Um, and we find great value when the engineering firm's in that relationship as well. So, um, yeah, sometimes customers are too busy and lack creativity on how to deploy something. So they go out and you know, hire an expert like yourself to, to come up with this plan. Um, we see the, the coolest use cases are when the engineering firms get involved and, and, and craft the story. So we've done compliance sampling for soil remediation projects in New Jersey. Um, we've done, you know, uh, uh, we're in a coal plant in England now that uh, has uh, managed uh, millions of dollars of uh, contract approvals and contractor work in their, on their site, on our platform. So um, a lot of times, I don't mean to come across that we can do everything, but um, in terms of, we, we do four, four real things. We do uh, workflow automation, so digital forms uh, that have automation in them. So inspections, triggering maintenance, triggering updates to assets. Uh, we have a very strong asset database. We have a GIS capabilities. And then we have uh, the fourth uh, component of our software is, is reporting. So um, as much data in as you can get, but also as much inside out. So uh, whether it's configuring a custom compliance report uh, for a state regulating agency or uh, interfacing with somebody's existing uh, business intelligence dashboard. Uh, we, we, we spend a lot of time trying to get data in and insights out. Um, yeah, the, you, I hope that answers your question. It, it, I don't remember what the question was, but I'm sure it did answer my question. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm, my wheels are turning as you're talking here because, you know, we're working on a project right now for a food and bev company and it's part CHP, part boiler renewal plant. So we're pulling out a bunch of boilers, putting in a new boiler, putting in CHP. Um, you know, the client is used to making product. They're not used to making, they're, they're, they're good at making steam, but they have a refrigeration plant. They got a lot of stuff on the go. Uh, they don't have somebody you know, sitting around who can look after this. So I'm thinking, you know, we're in the early design stages, you know, working with you guys on, um, you know, figuring out what the workflows are going to be. So I'm thinking working with you guys and working with the equipment OEMs to figure out, you know, what the workflow automation would be, uh, the reporting piece, because this is a program, a project funded by a grant. There are reporting requirements um the gis piece i don't think makes sense but the fourth piece the asset database you know that that may also integrate well um so yeah i can i can definitely see how for you integrating into that design team is probably you know an easier uh, on-ramp than um going to you know an asset user and saying hey spend extra money because that's one question i was going to ask you is how do you how do you, you know, if somebody's listening who has an existing asset or a fleet of assets, like what's the, 
you know, value proposition of doing something like what you guys are doing? Is it, is it uh, increased output? Is it increased uptime? Is it reduced labor costs? Like, it sounds like it's a bit of a, a tougher or a harder to articulate story. Like, how, how do you guys manage that piece of the story? Yeah, well, we look at ROI, uh, it's about efficiency, right? And so whether that's uh, capital efficiency by extending asset life, uh, we have you know great studies on you know keeping meters and transformers and hydrants in the field longer. Um, so there's a real uh, you know, lifetime extension uh, ROI story, um, and then there's a, a maintenance efficiency, so the opex story as well. So how do you get your people to focus on the tasks that um, are most important that day, given limited resources? And I think every you know, asset owner knows that you know you're always wanting to do more maintenance than you're actually able to uh either for budget uh or just resource constraints uh on the hr side of things so um doing more with less uh, is the roi story and um depending on the specific uh task um you know we look at compliance it's an easy roi story you spend 10 hours a month doing this report we can turn that into one hour a month and then the the roi stacks up we're really cost competitive um we don't really have a a, a massive setup fee so you're not uh we're subscription-based service so we improve over time we're not you know we're based on the user and and uh, we believe every user of our system gets two to three times uh, uh return on investment month over month so um, we think there's some, some great stories. And we love to, when we go into engagement, we love to, you know, me as the finance dork, that's the first thing we like to do. How are you doing it today? How much is it costing? You know, let's collect some baseline data. And then when we sit down in a year from now um, and I try to upsell you, uh, we can all see and you can justify to your management team uh, why this tool has been really useful to you. So um, we're also a, a young, growing company and we're hungry to take on challenges and learn new markets and new applications. So, you know, a lot of times when we engage with new customers or new geographies, like, uh, I don't believe we have a, a customer in Canada yet. So anybody listening out there? Unbelievable. Uh, is that because Trump told, told you you shouldn't, you shouldn't supply services up here? Is that why? Uh, no, it's, it's only because, uh, you've not invited me across the border yet. Um, We'll, we'll, and we'll I get think, some yeah, work on the paperwork right away. Um, I it, think there's a, there's a, uh, it, it's really just a function of our, well, where we are in our, in our growth cycle. So, uh, we're really market, strong have been the, You mentioned water, wastewater. Um, are there other markets that have been, you know, really a good, a good growth market for you guys? Uh, we also have a really strong, uh, white label product. So, um, putting somebody else's logo on our software. Okay. Uh, we have uh, one of the world's largest energy companies uses our software as their own, uh, as well as some other um, big engineering firms as well that resell us as well. So um, we've been very successful with that. My my job and goal is to to market our um, our brand utility cloud, but um, we we also understand that we're deploying a a piece of software that is sometimes just piece of a larger solution. So when we can partner with people 
Uh, I'm working with a couple OEMs now to uh, help inform their uh, warranty programs as well as their um, best practices to their distributors. Yeah. Um, so we think there's a really strong story in those markets. Uh, we define our markets as utilities, so power, gas, water, uh, and the engineering firms, service vendors, and equipment vendors that sell into those markets. So we think we have uh, interesting value propositions for uh, each of those uh, players. You, in, uh, in you doing work with kind of what I would call the conventional utilities, like you know, gas distributors, you know, electricity distribution companies, things of that nature. Yeah, um, we have uh, a couple strong gas utility relationships. Um, we've actually uh, been deployed for uh, pipeline leak surveys for a handful okay. of gas utilities. So, you know, uh, in the U.S. anyways, uh, the Department of Transportation regulates the transport of natural gas. Uh, local distribution companies are required to do sniff tests on their lines, depending on the pressure and the type of system regulation sets. Uh, how often they have to do that. So um, utilities will go into the field with large maps of their system and you know run gas sniffers over those lines. Um, historically, that's been paper and a highlighter uh, as their compliance. Uh, and, and a lot of times these are contracted out to third parties to do. Uh, our customers run our software live in the field. It knows with the GPS from the tablet where the person is. Uh, the gas sniffer gets an alarm, hey, there's a leak. Uh, the operator drops a pin on the map, which triggers a follow-on work order, and then, then the next crew comes in and unearths that pipe and, and checks it for leaks. So um, we're actually working with a utility here in the U.S. now to develop a, uh, a procedure for district regulator station maintenance. So when you're taking high-pressure gas and putting it in a low-pressure line, um, pretty complex process there's different valves and different regulator configurations and different vendors on each of these um, they're historically difficult to uh, maintain and inspect and you know recently in the US we, we suffered a pretty bad uh, natural gas explosion because uh, a utility didn't handle that properly um, so we're you know working with engineering firms and gas utilities to deploy uh, intuitive tools so their field workers can you know, properly maintain these uh, regulation stations in the national uh, in the natural gas utility space. Uh, electric utilities, we've done a handful of projects on uh, just field surveys of, of transformers for uh, capital planning purposes as well. Uh, we think there's a really interesting vegetation management story as well uh, that we've deployed in the water space that utilities have a hard time you know, keeping the trees and limbs cut back, uh, we think we can we can help them manage that work better. Interesting. Um, I I gotta ask the the uh, what what types of services or products are you deploying through the through the engineering companies? Is that you mentioned some some geotech or or water or something or what what are you deploying through the engineering companies? Yeah, we have some uh, really strong partners uh, here. So we'll have a municipal utility that buys our software uh, and then they'll have their consulting engineer that is providing professional services. So uh, really in, in those cases when uh, we'll train the engineers, uh, civil engineers, mechanical engineers uh, on how to use our system uh, and then they become the people that maintain it for the utility. 
So they deploy the workflows because they know better than we do uh, exactly what a utility is seeking to achieve. So um, flushing programs in the water industry is a big one. So uh, a water utility will engage an engineering firm to develop the proper way to flush their water distribution system. The engineering firm will load that into the um, system and deploy it to the customer. Uh, O&M plans, uh, capital plans, uh, as, as well as really uh, when there's surveys and inspections to be done in the field on assets. So um, that's typically, typically we'll sell the software to the utility and the engineers are the ones who really configure it. So um, it's, it's built for a skill set of a mechanical engineer, not a software engineer to use. And, and a lot of times we view ourselves a little bit like CAD. We're just a tool for engineers to deploy their expertise as well. So you connect, um, because you give the engineer some of the he gets to see behind the the curtain and 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 kind of move pieces around in the in the software and and make it fit his application. Is that right? That that that's exactly it. It's all it's all clicks. Um, hey, I want to collect what you know. Give give me an example on on what your people have done for like field inspection. Like uh, I'm a little more familiar with the water industry, but if you well, I, yeah, I'm even thinking you know um, you know I, we don't do it, but you know we have a I have a buddy who works for a firm locally. They do a lot of uh, um, you know steel or uh, bridge inspections, right? So they're they're looking at a whole bunch of data points on a bridge. Um, they can configure that in your software in terms of what gets put in, and then they can configure what gets spit out. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. Um, really intuitive. So, um, you know, with, with a few hours of training, anybody can pick this stuff up, build the digital, you know, uh, we like to say it's as easy as paper. Um, so right. anything that's out, anybody that's doing a collection form in the field, sample collection, you see it in the water industry all the time, you have to collect field samples. Um, you know, it's probably the same, uh, in bridge inspections too. You guys, Send people to the field to collect a sample or perform a visual inspection. It's really just a digital form from the user's perspective and building new forms and deploying new workflows. Um, so easy a sales guy can do it. So um, we really just focused on, and we think our, the core benefit of the technology lies kind of on those two axes is easy and powerful. So right. lots, of soft, lots of software out there that's super easy. Uh, anybody can whack together a Google app. Um, a lot of really powerful softwares out there that do deep analytics, you know, MATLAB and CAD, and so you know like, uh, GIS systems, incredibly powerful database softwares, right? How do you combine the functionality of those two things, right? And, and we think that's the sweet spot is is bridging this gap between easy and powerful. Um, yeah. Well, that's cool. So, what's uh, what's next for 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 you guys uh, for Utility Cloud? Like, what's the the next frontier or the next market or you know the next problem you're trying to solve? Yeah, uh, two twofold or maybe threefold. Um, uh, one, uh, continually improving the user experience, so making it more intuitive. So these tools like Moving from, you know, historically we've only ever done, you know, JPEG images, pictures, 
to inform how people work. Uh, now we're moving to these 3D files. Um, uh, and so really, any kind of new technology to help make the person's work in the field easier and more intuitive. Um, very uh, focused on connected maintenance. So taking insights from the machine and providing that to the person. Uh, and then and then really uh, the, the third piece is uh, just expanding our market and, and uh, serving more and better customers, um, more customers better. Um, we've had an incredibly powerful piece of software that this company has, has grown uh, by word of mouth. So I think my personal challenge is just getting the word out there that we exist. Um, and, and telling the story. So um, it's, it's a really interesting challenge as a sales executive because uh, we have a great product uh, that we're bringing to market that not a lot of people have heard about. So for me, I think it's just telling the story as much as I can. Cool. Uh, you've known me long enough. Uh, I do enjoy talking. So <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that rumor floating around there. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, Kurt, uh, I didn't, as expected, I didn't, we, we had some Crap ahead of time, but I didn't stick to any of it. Um, is there anything we didn't cover, or or anything you want to you know pontificate as it relates to energy in general, or um, kind of um, final thoughts and anything else uh, that, that we need to tackle before we wrap up here? Yeah, uh, no, I, um, it's been a little while since we've caught up. I'd love to just uh, hear from you, uh, just thoughts on based on what you heard, like where do you see the kind of future software uh, in, in O&M in, in the utility business? And then, you know, anything kind of specific to your market uh, in Canada, I would just love to hear, uh, hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I asked the questions on the show. Um, so <laughs> no, that, that's a great question. And, and I think, you know, when, when you, you know, in our space, we do a lot with solar turbines. They have their insight software. That's, you know, pretty impressive online monitoring mm -hmm. and, and, you know, but it doesn't quite do what you're talking about, but, you know, it's pretty sophisticated. But I think, you know, where I see the biggest struggle when it goes to O&M is, you know, you have all these, we, we talked about this a bit before, you have all these great uh, applications for, uh, small CHP and but for you know for a variety of reasons you know the small CHP doesn't get the same level of um, attention as the big stuff just because it can't bear you know dedicated operators or you know if somebody is assigned to take care of it she's working on three other things too and and so you know doesn't get all of all of her time so and I think there's that piece about you know simplifying the uh, process or you know all of us work better if we know what our task list is for the day and we just have to execute and so if you guys can provide a software that you know allows that operator to just execute and then with the knowledge that they know as they're executing there's this kind of higher level review of what they're doing that will give them feedback positively or negatively to say hey what about this what about this I think developing and, and maybe that's in conjunction with you know the I'm thinking of now the recip engine OEMs um, you know developing something in partnership with them because a lot of what we see in a project after it gets designed and built you know the uptime isn't what you'd like and I think a lot of that is because you know those of us as project developers maybe haven't properly equipped 
um, you know, the, the end user with the right, um, you know, training, or maybe they got the training, but all of us know the best way to learn is by doing. So it's repetition, repetition. So I think for, for what I'm hearing you guys can do, and I think some of the things I want to talk to you more about is those smaller scale applications where there's not a dedicated person to run the facility. Uh, I think this software can, can kind of fit, you know, in the, in the CHP space, it can fit really nicely in there, I think. So that's, that's what excites me from this conversation for sure. So that, uh, thank you for that. It, it's uh, reassuring to hear because uh, I think I had the same same thoughts when I started uh, with Utility Cloud. I've um, been really excited to kind of take a new approach to an industry that I've spent some time in now for a while. So um, it's it's been great catching up. Um, our website is utilitycloud.us. If any of your listeners want to check us out, um, and Awesome. Or we'll be sure. We'll be sure once you get this uh, edited up and uh, to 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 push this around as well. So it's that's always great catching up. Like Matt, and I know yeah. it's that's fun. It's fun once, once we clean up all the uh, cuss words and stuff, then we'll get it up to the market. So um, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Matt, thank thank you. Always a pleasure. Right on. Thank you. And, and thank you to uh, our executive producer, Lisa Barber, and uh, the man who makes us all look and sound good behind the glass, Mark Charbonneau. Uh, my name is Matt Lunsink, and this has been uh, episode 25 of Energy Radio.